You're listening to the newest member of the 210 Podcast Network, the It's a Guy Thing Podcast. Join Mike, Rick, and Mario as we discuss the things we love in life, the things we hate, and all the stuff in between. Hey guys, welcome back for a, another episode of uh, It's a Guy Thing Podcast. Here to join you guys once again for some frivolity and fun. So, as Christian Bale says in uh, American Psycho, I would just like to see the three of us get it on. All right. Well, as Michael said, this is It's a Guy Thing podcast, and uh, we have some topics that we kind of want to discuss today. Uh, I'm going to be discussing, I'm going to go first only because it's kind of a, hopefully a brief topic, uh, Call of Duty, which I think is mostly a guy thing. I really rarely hear women playing or hear their voices, but then again, I always mute the chat anyway. Uh, and then after that, we've got Rick with... Um, the Missing Flight 370. And then Mike with? I think it's uh, time for us to broach this burning topic like a uh, like a flame in our pockets that's putting our putting our bodies on fire. We, we need to get this time travel business out of the way before we can continue any further. So we're going to talk about time travel in movies and in other places. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so as far as... As Call of Duty, uh, I think you guys are the ones that really got me into it. Um, I hadn't really cared about it before or paid any attention to it, but I think you guys got me started around, what was it, Modern Warfare 2 or 3? I think it was 2. I'm pretty two. sure. And W2. Yeah. and uh, PS3, because PS3 yes. is the only way to go. Xbox is unacceptable. <laughs> no. I, I will say there are I just bought a cons. brand new PlayStation 3 and I love it. <laughs> it's the best system. It fits all your multimedia needs. Well, PlayStation 4 is superior to all. <laughs> it has a twice the size gigabyte hard drive and right now is on sale at all your electronic outlets. So if you go to playstation.com slash it's a guy thing podcast <laughs> and type in code this is fake then nothing's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they're awesome. <laughs> so with with Call of Duty, you guys kind of got me roped into it, and I did it's what totally I do with everything, which was get completely obsessed with it. And I think I, I didn't really I don't care for the for the missions or anything like that. I just go straight into the multiplayer. I think on I, I think they call it uh, battle napping. Battle. <laughs> I think I think wow. last I think last week's episode proved something that we've known about you for a long time, but we've never put it to to, to words. But now we can finally we can finally comfortably label you the way you deserve to be. Oh, which I'm is, scared of this. Mario has a beautiful, lovingly addictive personality. He catches and latches onto something and don't let go. That's right. That's right. But you know what? That's awesome because unlike me, Rick and me, you get stuff done. <laughs> yeah, we're we're I because, barely, because, I because I've never beaten Call of Duty and I, I barely get stuff done. <laughs> That's like, true, though. That's like, the upside. No, but, no, but, but beating the, the, a video game is an accomplishment. Well, see, but I and that's another it, topic for the future. I don't, I, don't play, I don't play the, the campaign. Well, you beat the online thing by going loop, Prestige. loop yeah. or whatever it's called. <laughs> I'm a looper. He's a time loop. It was, and I, and I, too bad that wasn't our, our uh, jump into time travel yeah. in movies. But, uh, Good one. No, with, uh, with Call of Duty, with Modern Warfare 2, I think I, I maxed out in Prestige once, and then... Maxed out again, stayed there. Same thing with the next Modern Warfare 3. Then there was Black Ops 1, Black Ops 2. I haven't gotten Ghosts. I'm on Black Ops 2 right now, and I've 
I think I'm fourth prestige now. I want to take it to the 10 just because at this point it's like I might as well go ahead and go what for happens? it. What happens? What happens when you get is there I have no idea. You... I don't care. It's it's not even it's not even about that. It's not even about what will I get for this. The funniest part about that whole thing is that uh just to explain for for any of the you know casual casual gamers or even just people that know of video games in general, you know Call of Duty is a first person shooting video game where you're basically in, you know, simulated war situations as a soldier with, you know, automatic weapons or sniper mm-hmm. weapons or whatever. And so in the online play you're playing with random people all over the world. And so every time you win or lose a battle, whether you're by yourself or on a team, you're awarded points for having played so well by getting so many kills or doing certain mm-hmm. little accomplishments. And so these points get aggregated into a little counter that says once you reach so many points you get another ranking like a star ranking like you know first yeah. you're a private then you're a you know lieutenant and then you're a general and blah 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 and so it takes an inordinate amount of time to get these rankings i mean hours spent i've played that with you guys for i don't even know how many hours and i'm like a 25 ranking and i think you have to get like a level 50 to get that first prestige thing and yeah. the worst about it that i always thought was so ridiculous was once you do that prestige thing is you lose all your weapons and all the stuff you pretty much for. and i really truly believe that it was the programmer's cosmic gag reel to see how many people would do this <laughs> by just simply adding one extra line of code into the game program being like oh this will be cool let's see how many people take it to the next level and we'll just sit back and laugh at them oh, i prestiged but it's actually a big waste of your time don't get sucked in don't let the man control you don't let, don't let infinity ward tell you who you are Mario. what was it infinity and ward activision. or, or trey or activision or Treyarch. So a little history behind it, uh, as Michael was going about the the actual way that you play the game, uh, the first version of any Call of Duty title came out in 2003, uh, and then since then we've had Call of Duty 1 through 4. Number 4 was what actually titled Modern Warfare, and that kind of launched that series. After that, there was World at War. Uh, since then, there's been Modern Warfare 2 and 3, and uh, now Black Ops 1 and 2, and now most recently Ghosts, which... Uh, I haven't gotten to play yet. I know Mike owns Ghosts, and uh, I think he was saying that well, you said you haven't really started it too much, right? For Ghosts, I bought it as a Black Friday special for like twenty bucks. So oh, it nice! Seemed, it seemed too good to be true. Uh, Hell to yeah! Up. So I nabbed it, played the the first mission, which was it was almost so good. I was like, I have to stop until I can devote like enough amount of time where I don't get interrupted, just because it was one of those cinematic things it starts out in space or something like that so interesting it's actually yeah it's actually Mm. legit so i want to start over and have the sound all the way up and play when no one's in the house you know just so i can fully immerse into it but yeah yeah i might i might end up having to do that one then i I kept vowing that i wouldn't go past black ops 2 just because i did the black ops 2 i did the season pass so that i got all the (laughs) Have you, ever, have you ever actually played the the mission, like the actual story mode? No, like not on mo- that one. On any of them, though? No, no, I think I did it on Modern Warfare 2 and 3, and maybe Black Ops 1, and I went part of the way, but I, I, I just, I love the, I hate the fact that when you play the campaigns, somebody's always shooting directly at you. It doesn't matter who, and it does, it, like, there's always just enough damage to bring, to always keep you near death, and yet it's always... It's kind of like the old video games where I know this is where this guy pops up and does this. Or... We need to rethink our strategy. <laughs> I need some help getting up. <laughs> but like, I love the, I love the. I'm reloading. <laughs> I'm reloading. Unlimited ammo. Best part of those games. <laughs> I'm reloading. 
but I Sorry. love the the <laughs> the inability to be able to put your finger on the whether somebody's right behind you, somebody's right around a corner. I love the fact that <laughs> some people are just dumb when they play this game and and the multiplayer is what drives me because I just I just not I love not knowing what's going to happen. And one of the things at the same time that annoys me about the multiplayer is that like I said earlier is that I mute everybody right off the bat because if you don't you are going to hear the worst like it's almost as bad as commentary on posts on the internet or like posts on on YouTube just the comments just stupid people it's always people being a bigot or or being sexist or racist or just being an overall douchebag even when like we had a group of us where it was like nick and anthony mm-hmm. playing with us and joe would come in a couple times and i think johnny joined us here and there that was about the extent of the group right yeah with us uh, i can't remember if jimmy or not played danny would get on too yeah oh yeah and he would just yeah. walk around the flamethrower and burn everybody That's right. <laughs> he would even shoot his bullets he'd just burn you but even with those groups i distinctly remember like maybe three or four times max not even more than my hand could count where we would run into somebody online who actually spoke intelligibly and was like mm-hmm. there to have fun the same way we were. Where right. they weren't like these I mean, I get on you get online and you start hearing all these people going off and you really start oh to think the majority of the world is just sociopathic yes. maniacs yeah. expressing themselves and they're one step away from taking it to the next level. And yeah. like you're actually grateful for Call of Duty because it lets them express blow up that, that steam. Yeah. 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 Because my <clears throat> Gosh, like you God forbid saying, I actually all, ran into them in not, real life. And not life. only bigotry and, and racism and these ridiculously over-the-top crude things, not that we're not, but in that environment, you're just putting all this <laughs> stuff up. Well, not that part. I'm just talking about the crude <laughs> stuff. No. Okay, not the bigotry, not the racism. We're psychopaths. <laughs> we are definitely psychopaths, and we're definitely crude. That's all I was referring to. That we, we but we do it in a joking manner, and we tear right. each other up right. in but, a different way. But what way. I'm saying is the people that create their screen names – Oh, yeah. <laughs> that are like racist screen names and it's it's not only that it's not just their screen name it's what they log into their playstation that's exactly account what it because is that's is what that... the whole world sees exactly right. and like i thought about the first time i ever set up my playstation account i use you know whatever the name was and you don't want to tell us so we can add you oh it's team felix you know that so but but the thing is like I didn't, I didn't i didn't like think that like Orestes, oh i can't ever change me. this now now that's what everyone will see me as and exactly like you said like you go on there and you see the names that people come up with and they have no shame about these names and maybe they have 10 different accounts on their computer they can log into or best, whatever best name ever baconator yeah i've never forgotten that <laughs> but, it, but but i'm just like it, it's to me it's a terrifying thing like it it, it <laughs> Yeah. What I like about playing those games, because I'm not a gamer, I don't consider myself a gamer because I'm not any good at them, and I devote the littlest amount of time as I can to them, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it because uh, usually when I do play Call of Duty, it, at least nowadays, it's when I know I have like, oh, I have 30 minutes to spare. Mm-hmm. I have to be somewhere in an hour and a half, and I'm always running late, and I have 30 minutes extra to spare, I think. So I'm like, I can, I know that it takes 15 minutes to play two Deathmatch sets deathmatch sessions so i can play two games and then yeah. put my shoes on and go and it's okay because there it doesn't require anything like even if i have to turn it off during a match it doesn't matter mm-hmm. i'm not saving you can anything. walk away the 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 rewards the points don't matter to me i can just walk away i can have fun for 10 minutes turn it off and it doesn't matter whereas other things do kind of require a little bit more investment from you at least you think they do yeah and but on the same token that is also what i hate about it. i hate that 
I can play, you know, a couple of death matches and turn it off and go to bed and go, wow, like I could have been doing something else, anything <laughs> else. I could have been reading a book or being washing clothes or something because I'll never get that back. Yeah, and there's no tangible, true. tangible <laughs> result because I'm not even good enough to say like to show my friends and be like, hey, guys, I'm ranked 10,000 out of, you know, 20 yeah. million people. I'm not even that good. So there's not even that benefit for me. And like you guys are mentioning, like, you know, seeing some of the stuff that people put on there, that's the biggest thing. That That's the, the biggest, I don't want to say it's the attraction of it, but that's the, the part of the game that sticks out the most to me is that, mm-hmm. you know, much like the internet, like you mentioned it, like commentators and stuff, is that it's the perfect wall for people to hide behind yeah, and express anonymity. the nastiest, <clears throat> most horrible things that they can do and say about, like, people and, and sometimes and, it's eight-year-olds yeah and they're kids <laughs> and it's like it's not it's like you hear kids saying these things and using words that no one should use and then sometimes like it'll be a guy who you can tell is our age oh, and he's yeah. got his headset turned up so you can hear the whole room and you can hear his baby crying next to him mm-hmm. that's the worst i think oh, when you're, yeah. it's a guy and you hear him playing and like the baby's crying and you can hear the wife in the other room screaming at him to, like feed the baby or take the trash out and he's like shut up i'm almost done and yeah. it's like that's not fake yeah like it's not like this guy's not creating that persona to play video games like that's him like trying to avoid you know avoid real life yeah and that's kind of what intrigues me about it you know on one level see and i turn all of that off you know and and i do because i get fed up with it pretty quickly but it's just it's just such an interesting like taste of how the world can be not necessarily how the world is but how the world can be yeah and i think that's why it's something that like you know it it stays relevant because it it is like kind of you know if i had um if i was a teacher or if i was a parent and someone was asking me about the state of youth or the state of the world i'd say like just turn on your kids call the duty game for 10 minutes and listen to it yeah. Listen to what people say. Listen to how people talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that'll give you an idea of not the end-all and be-all of how the world works now, but the things that kids are exposed to. Yeah. The things that are out there that you're constantly uh, trying to keep them away with. from. Yeah, you're trying yeah. to keep them away. You're trying to steer them away from the very thing that that's out there, you know, uh, fighting you for their, for their brain's hard drive space. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, and like I, like I said, I always mute it pretty much. I think as an experiment the other night, I left it on, and some of it was helpful stuff like, oh, dude, they're coming down the middle. Okay, that's that's good information. I can use that. And then there's the, oh, man, these campers. Here's here's one thing that we'll get. Yeah, this is the whole thing that, that bugs me. I, I It disturbs me when people say something about somebody else's play style. Unless they're saying that they're a hacker and they actually are, then that's different. Because people have hacked previous games. I don't. I'm sure somebody's hacked this newest one or whatever. Right. Um, but when people are like, "Oh man, that guy's camping." Okay, well, to me, that means he's not moving. He should be an easier target for you. So stop complaining. <clears throat> a and B. It's a valid way of trying to play the game because what do our soldiers do? Oh, they snipe. From as far away as possible. So that's they, like that's like saying in a sports game, like, oh, this guy's scoring a lot because he's taller than everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, it's yeah, that's strategy. This is a strategy. Exactly. It's not illegal to be tall. It's not illegal to 
play a video game and play by whatever rules and parameters are set forth. Exactly. I think that's I think that's part of the reason why I'm bad at video games because especially games like that where you your character can die. I can play you know I love Madden and I can play that all day long. I love it every but, time Rick dies. He's like God. Fuck but that's the thing is like I think my survival <laughs> instinct is so like sensitive that like it affects me negatively when I get killed. I'm like oh my god like I feel like I really died and I hate that feeling. Like I hate that feeling of like oh and I can't control it. You know and it's. Yeah, I, and that, that's that's why it, 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 it's hard for me to really get my head around why people love it so much because it's it yeah. is the antithesis of war and strategy. Mm-hmm. It's not that. I mean, not that oh, I'm yeah. a, I no, not that I sit around and play Risk or whatever, but it's the same thing as like people get on it and they consider like you normally more often than not. If you look at like scoreboards, you'll see mm-hmm. that the guy who has the most kills also has the most, the most deaths. deaths. Yeah. And that, the fact that, like, and maybe I'm looking too deep into that, but the fact that, like, that is a qualification for being good at something right, is difficult for me to get my head around. Because then they're just playing statistics. Yeah. They're just saying, if I run out into the middle and just fire off randomly, I'm going to hit something. Is there is there an honor code to online video gaming? Is there, because, you know, a lot of these guys, yeah. they complain about the way somebody plays and... That's their whole way of justifying that they're being beat. Oh, yeah. that guy's just sniping. Oh, that guy's just a camper. But you're playing a war simulation, mm-hmm. battle simulation video game. And I think the reason, Rick, you're so emotionally tied into your guys, I think you secretly think your guy is Michael Bean from Terminator. That's you right. Don't want, you don't want to see him go. <laughs> Kyle Kyle needs to to survive. He's got for, to, man. For the mission oh, He's got to do his seating. But um, <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I'm really tired of these infinity loops but anyway um i think that's the the neat thing about call of duty is the the culture that that created and to this day like i don't hear about it as much or maybe it's just us i think we don't talk about it i as think much. we don't talk about it as much but it's still huge right i mean but yeah the, the demographic is about the is about the same but um i don't know i, I don't know what it is like I always knew when we were playing it, I knew it was only going to be for a little while. I knew we were just going to be able to jump on, but there was something kind of exciting about it. Like you were saying, Mario, just another thing for us to do together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not, it isn't just a guy thing. It's, I always thought it was so badass when I would hear a girl on there being like, Which, oh, it was yeah. rare. And it, it was, was rare. It was very and, rare. Or but if like yeah. somebody Super had cool. a tag name that like seemed something. like it might have been a girl, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. And every yeah. once in a while, like someone would get thrown into our little, our little Team. group and yeah. you're like, is that a girl? And not because you're like, oh, I'm going to talk to her right. but as you're just going like oh my god a girl's playing like this rare it's like the yeah. unicorns on our team you know like <laughs> and uh, i always thought that was awesome you know and you'd hear her talk all intelligently and you know get excited about you know whatever kills or complain when she lost or whatever that was that was really neat but yeah and it was probably just a guy with a voice <laughs> <laughs> with a voice change his ball yeah. just hasn't dropped <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's it is a good barometer. Like you know, we were talking about in the previous episode about things that you choose to devote your time to, things that mm-hmm. you allow to occupy your time, that you place place value on. You know, or none of us are rich people. Most we don't know anybody that's yeah. you know what we would consider rich. So to us, our most valuable currency is our time at this point. Especially for you guys, you're married and you have kids, so your time 
has a different type of value than it had yeah. three or four years ago when we when we could play this for three or four hours a night, you know, yeah. in those instances. And it's interesting now, you know, to nostalgically, like, you know, kind of bring it up to look back and go, wow, remember when we used to do that? And now you go, wow, what do I do with those three hours now? And it's right. different yeah. probably for all three of us or, you know, on different ways. So, yeah. you know, things you occupy your time with. Well, what do you occupy your time with, Rick? I know... I know before we started you were kind of talking about the uh the lost plane uh it was it was it oceanic flight is that what 15 no too soon, <laughs> too soon man yeah. Show's I'm, only so, been I'm gone sorry for a couple of years I only say that because <laughs> we, we should, I finally we should not make it. fun of lost like that it deserves <laughs> we should deserves I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this I'm gonna credit. put this on the table now Mike that we will devote a future episode to Damon Lindelof <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. we're just putting it out there because some people don't know who that is, and the people that do know what we're talking about. Yeah, and so. we're gonna have to at least Twitter, uh, Twitter. What is it like? You send his name, the yeah. link to the podcast, so he can listen. Uh, oh, he's not on Twitter anymore. Oh, he got he off. jumped off That's because right, he was cause... bullied. Oh. People, people hurt his feelings about Star Wars and okay, all who's, his. Who's, I'm, so, I'm one of the so people that real don't short, know. So we don't get too far off. <laughs> David Lindelhoff's a you know screenwriter and a producer. Uh, he was one of the co-creators of Lost. Okay. Uh, one of the co-writers of the Star Trek movies or the reboot movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done. He's produced a couple of things. He also co-wrote the uh, Prometheus movie. Oh, okay. If you love um, Prometheus, then you'll love Damon Lindelof's writing style. Yeah. <laughs> where all questions are answered no. and it's very intelligently no. expressed and cohesive and makes total sense. Yeah. It, it, I would almost yeah. love to switch my topic just to him, but we can <laughs> we can move on to something else. But uh, no, you're bringing up my time. And uh, that's the thing is I have a very short attention span, I think. And... Um, the internet is a horrible thing for me which is why we're talking about why i hate it because it's so easy to jump back and forth between things that are interesting or things that you know i mean you don't have to go to school for four years to have to now to know anything about space or Mm -hmm. about science or about business you can just learn just enough of what you want to know about something to act like you know You're something about it in a conversation, which is yeah. great, you know, because that that kind of opens up social doors for everybody, you know, so that, you know, you can you can play fantasy football or you can skim across headlines on Yahoo and you can kind of go anywhere and kind of at least get into a conversation with people or at least have a starting point. Yeah. And for me, like the thing that I always find myself jumping back and forth through is like is um you know conspiracy stuff or supernatural paranormal stuff like that's that's yeah. really my wheelhouse that's things like i love discussing and huge talking x-files about. fan talking here yeah oh man. you know and, and for for better or worse and, and I, I i'm not i certainly don't hold any of that stuff as like a holy grail it's like i mm-hmm. i can just as easily tear that stuff apart as is lifted up because yeah. because it has uh that value to me so something that's you know really been intriguing me lately, just like the rest of the world right now, is this uh, Malaysian Airlines uh, Flight 370. And the, the first, honestly, the first day or two, I really it wasn't on my radar. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't because you know I was looking up other stuff in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up stuff in my spare time that I normally look up or checking my email, whatever. And Jeff had sent, he's like, oh, what do you think about this Flight 370 thing? And I, yeah. I knew about it, but I really, you know, I don't have uh, news channels on my TV, so I don't really, mm-hmm. uh, it's not there. Yeah, but I, I was like, I don't know. Let me let me look around and see what I think. So I start 
I started reading uh, some of the articles and start kind of looking into it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, now I have kind of an opinion. And it is in my in my realm of things interest me because now it's not just, you know, and, and of course, let me start off by saying that, like, you know, all, of course, prayers and respect to the people that are missing. You know, that's, yeah, absolutely. you know, not, not to make too light of that because there are lives that, you know, uh, real lives that are involved here but for the sake of conversation and and this is what we're all doing this is what the whole world's doing is speculating and talking about this because it's something that doesn't happen every day it's something that's you know for all intents and purposes is paranormal Mm -hmm. i don't you know am i wrong you know it almost fits the definition it's outside of the normal it's beyond the normal it's something that doesn't happen every day Mm -hmm. you know mike we were talking kind of pre-show mike was talking about that like you know the nsa here we are in this digital age information age where you know information is currency and all this stuff and you know people are talking about their freedoms being in, in in infringed upon and blah 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 all this stuff but then in the same breath that we're talking about ed snowden and all the nsa leaks and prison yeah. and fisa courts and all this stuff and everyone's up in arms about it in the same breath the same people that are talking about that the media are in the same breath saying well you know technology isn't really that good that you know you can find a plane <laughs> the world's plane. really big you know like you can't have sensors and radar everywhere and you're like and it's such yeah. it's such like a what do you call it, man? Like, you know, like, I, I don't get it. I don't get. I think I think the BS meter starts to go off because, oh, yeah. again, you know, it's just a simple fact that any, you know, I, I always think back to Google Earth. The Google Earth is an amazing oh, yeah. program and I'm not plugging, plugging them, but it is, you know, Google is a monster company. They do amazing things and they offer a lot of free products, free products where other companies might, you know, charge for it. Of course, Google can afford to give stuff free because of their advertising system and all that. But the mm-hmm. point is Google Earth is a free product available to us. You can get on Google Earth and you can satellite image anything, anywhere. It'll yeah. You can zoom in on the pyramids, on the Sphinx. And I haven't done that in years. So I don't even know what it looks like. But I know the amount of satellites floating around above Earth, it must look like the like the... Not that the satellites are garbage, but the amount of visual clutter in yeah. space orbiting the Earth reminds me of that uh, in Wally, you know, where you just yeah. see all that stuff floating in space, all the garbage and stuff that we left. You know, I imagine, you know, when a satellite um, is outdated, you really can't do anything to like, oh, let's sit, let's send the upload program for a sharper lens. It's kind of like, well, let's just set that one loose, give the programming code where it just flies off into nothingness and we'll launch another one that's got a better camera. So if we can zoom in to extreme detail with only a top-down view, and now with Google Street View, you can do a horizontal view of residences and stuff like that now, and that's available to us, the government and other governments have to have something beyond that, well beyond that. Real time, time, well beyond that, and also covering the entire globe Mm -hmm, because, again... It's hard for me to believe that there's areas where it's like, well, you know, our, because a satellite, the beauty of a satellite is it has no jurisdiction. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's it constantly can, moving. It's yeah, in order. You know? As long as you're 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 in those windows, you know, when it's it has that that view, view of the of that part of the Earth, then you can theoretically, we assume. I'm not right. a scientist. I'm but assuming as well. You have access to that stuff. Well, not only that, but and, what do they say? The governments and the military have technology 10 years ahead of yeah, what the consumers have. Or 20 years. What, what what was technology like for us 10, 20 years ago? Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, seriously? Yeah. It's a freaking giant plane. Yeah, because 15 years ago, if you had said, 
there's going to be this program that you can zoom in on your house or your friend's house or mm-hmm. the pyramids. You'd be like, that's how much is that going to cost? That's crazy. And then to say, well, no, it's free and everybody has yeah. it. It's on your phone. What? A phone? You know, like we're a phone not, can do it, that? Yeah, we're not asking the satellites to locate the heart of the ocean diamond from the old lady. In the, <laughs> Titanic, you know, did the satellite watcher drop it? I mean, that I could understand. Oh, but yeah. This is, you know, uh, and again, I understand proportional to the size of the earth. You know, a plane is, is a speck, but again, just from what I've seen the satellites capable of doing, mm-hmm. the they conspira- can locate it's an so, actual speck. Well, it's so easy for conspiracy theories to go rampant because, you know, again, why that country? And then, of course, now, you know, all the issues going on with Russia and now the, you know, our United States media is presenting that all the other surrounding countries have been cooperating into giving up their information or flight manifests, whatever it was, mm-hmm. passenger manifests on all the people, except for Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. They're purposely yeah. not cooperating. They're purposely, and it just starts to, it just starts to, all starts Sound to, like, pe- yeah, it just all, all well, you starts mentioned to, earlier, like, like wag the dog. Yeah, it's all coming, exactly, you know, it's all coming together as far as getting these little, um, sentiments built it's, up. It's locking the, the mental guns, it's cocking the guns of the, of the American public in a way that's prepping everybody for a non-shocking next step it's right. not going to be as big of a deal because well now we're going to start you know a battle or a war or an invasion or we're going to respond with sanctions it always starts mm-hmm. with sanctions or some kind of trade embargo you know, yeah exactly and, and now everyone's like oh yeah well it makes sense because we read that report or we heard that report that you know that country wasn't being helpful and again it's didn't you, try I, I don't think something? the United States reports on these things unless it's important to us in some roundabout way. Yeah, because yeah. there's a ton of other non-country things. Yeah, that because have you have to, to imagine somewhere on the on oh, the yeah. earth right now, there's missing people. There's a, a car. Have you ever to... have you ever YouTubed um, cruises that aren't United States cruisers uh, cruise ships and looked at YouTube footage of them when they're like toppling and you can see people literally sliding up and down the floors with tables and plates oh, and God. food just like it'll show like these other cruise liners like our cruise liners i think the only things that get reported is when like the rotavirus or the norovirus like yeah gives like yeah. half the passengers gastrointestinal or, when, or, or when it's like a hard copy type story where like some you know newlyweds like the guy falls off and disappears right and yeah. they never know what happened to him right but, in, killed but him. you can youtube these like uh, foreign foreign cruise ships and you can literally see footage of complete you know where Jeez. you can see a topsy turving and you can see footage camera footage of like people sliding up and down very similar to like the ti- the footage in titanic where people are sliding <laughs> back and forth God. you can literally see it happening with all the stuff are they playing and, celine dion over the over <laughs> it, it looks ridiculous and it Come almost on. looks fake except not for the fact that it it's so like a handheld perfect. camera and i'm thinking to myself that's never news. That's never like yeah. today. This cruise liner from Country X, you know, had people slipping and sliding, and there were this many injuries or this many fatalities. Because I can't imagine everybody came out of that just perfectly fine without a snapped neck or something yeah. really dangerous. Yeah. But we don't hear about it. So that my point is, why is this specific plane yeah. of people? being reported so heavily yeah. and now they're tying it to Russia. Why does the media... Yeah. Well, that that's the thing. I mean, and they keep... You know, you hear it pop up left and right is that people keep saying like, you know, what happened? What happened? Was it a hijacking? Was it, you know, the um, a fire? Was it some mm-hmm. sort of accident? Was it a mechanical failure? Was it an abduction? Or whatever was it a black is. hole? Yeah, whatever it <laughs> like, is. Really? But, the you know, like anything else, it's not sometimes the question you should be asking is you know 
how did it happen? Is that mm-hmm. why did it happen, or why? Wh- what would be the reason for whatever your your explanation is? You know, right. like if somebody hijacked it, why would they hijack it? Mm-hmm. If it disappeared, why? How could it disappear? Why would it disappear? You know, and there's all sorts of stuff lying down. I mean, every day now, as this story is kind of dragging out, and there's less and less physical facts. tangible facts or evidence you know of course people were having to speculate you know like right now we're talking about the black hole thing that's yeah. the first time it's kind of popped up or some <laughs> like, an actual you know newscaster was like what about black holes you know <laughs> and and I, honestly i was asking that on day two i'm like why why are we not talking about aliens yet why are we not talking about aliens and you know all these other stuff that that people don't usually I like talk what she about. referred to lost well lost is a tv show so yeah. that's not even we won't have to yeah. go there but i mean that's the thing is is you know, going back to Mike's point about how is it relevant to us? And the mm-hmm. same, and I guess within the same question is that, okay, this plane disappeared. How is that relevant to us as Americans? And tying that into why would that happen? Right. If it was hijacked, what's the significance, A, to the people that were in the plane, people that operated the plane, people that mm. possibly took the plane. And then, of course, what is significance to us as Americans? Why is that a newsworthy story? Right. I mean, something that is, you know, and you could go round and round about different ideas and conspiracies and stuff. And, and you know, something, it's like you find things to relate to about it. You know, yeah. maybe if you have interest in aviation or in traveling the world or you happen to fly a lot for your job, mm-hmm. you find different reasons why you can relate to the story or right. find interest. Me, one of the things that pops up to me, and you know, is that 20 of the people that were on the plane that disappeared, they're, they're from a, a company that's based out of Austin. It's a <laughs> semiconductor company. So, I mean, to me, and, and that's me, of course, being a conspiracy you know, nut yeah. and, you know, liking movies and loving conspiracy movies, immediately your mind starts like figuring out little plot lines, you know, for the sake of it. You're filling the space because you don't know the answers. Right. And of course, that's, I'm sure, you know, a coping mechanism for not having answers. But when that gets on the news and they're like, maybe it was a black hole that opened up. I mean, that, that's to me, that's when speculation is bad but, when it's but, on a news I, I almost vehicle. don't have a problem with that. I mean, the problem I have with that is that they're saying it with a smirk. They're not saying it seriously. The, the thing is, I think when something happens, you have to be able to open all the doors. You have to give yourself the opportunity to, to explore all the ideas because what happens normally is that something happens and we immediately say, depending on the, you know, whatever is the hot topic in, in, in society at the moment, you know, and everything's always, oh, maybe it was terrorism. Anything happens. Like Mike tripped no. at the gym. Oh, maybe it was a terrorist. You know, like, and that's the thing. That's the first thought is like, and which is kind of sad because like with the 370 thing, almost the first knee-jerk reaction was mm-hmm. like, oh, it was the pilots. Right. Oh, this guy had a flight simulator in his house. And, oh, he mm-hmm. supported this, you know, um, one of the politicians there that just got sentenced to jail and it was a political statement. Yeah. And and that that's shitty because that's, the easy route. It's the easy, mm-hmm. like, who's the easiest person to blame? You blame someone that can't defend themselves. They're not around right. to stand, you know, to testify on their own behalf. People, they made it such a big deal. And this is, I mean, we're talking about our own media. I'm not yeah. reading new media from, you know, other countries you know, like or BBC watching news reports anything. from anything else. They're saying, oh, this guy had his flight simulator in his house. Like, the he's dude's a pilot. a pilot. Yeah. You know, it's like a cop. Oh, he's, this cop has guns in his house. That's weird. No, it's what he does. Yeah. It's something he's trained to do. He's an expert. Yeah. You know, and, they, and, they're, and they're digging and they're digging and they're digging. 
And well, I think in, in a post nine eleven world, the the first thing somebody thinks about when they think of a plane is that it's a flying missile. And I understand why they would go that route, but I do agree with you. I think that that picking the easy targets and and going that route, but, but that's because it lights people on fire. It gets people interested. It gets people wanting to know more. It freaks people out. And the whole thing about media was what if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, yeah. that whole idea that freak out the public, it'll get their attention, they'll tune in, and then we can talk about black holes or is it lost? Is it you know? Now, somebody educate me on black boxes. Is that a common thing on all planes in the entire world? Yes. And they are not available to the pilots. Like, you can't, like, get a screwdriver and open the tin beneath your feet and pull it out, right? No, no, they're actually located in the back of the plane. But can they get to them? Aren't they inaccessible? Like, you can't send this co-pilot running to the back and be like, hey, go get the black box and disable it. See, here in the last, like, week or two, that's some of the stuff that, I mean, I again, other than occasionally flying in the plane, I have no aviation experience. I'm not Mm. an engineer i don't know how this stuff works but up until the past couple of days now you're hearing like well they're like well they turn the transponder That's off what I heard they too. turn mm-hmm. in right. yeah. from my, i thought you know I, maybe they're different things you know the black box thing is a separate thing from the transponder but it's the same token to me i'm like well, why should you be allowed to turn off the thing that helps people find you right. if you disappear For- situations just like that for exactly because on any level that's something you probably would never want to turn off whether you're hijacked or you have some sort of you know catastrophic mechanical failure you want that thing on at all times you know and they're saying well you know you have to kind of keep some of that autonomies you know to keep the humans plugged into the machine so the machine doesn't make the air blah blah whatever but at the same token it's like why can you turn the the sonar off why can you turn the radar off or the transponder whatever it is whatever the technical language is for these things why can you Mm -hmm. turn them off it's sort of like the whole you know filmic uh when you have a spaceship with a self-destruct button who installed it yeah why why would it even why would it destruct why would it be there i can't i can't have no it's a rescue pod i have no it self-destruct yeah i have no comprehension for that stuff either and again it just lends me to thinking logically you know again who's on that plane and why would something like that occur in the most logical sense? Like, mm-hmm. what's the most logical, the most logical thing? Because when you play back nine eleven and we play back the why of the terrorists and Bin Laden's purpose for everything, right? It was just to prove a point, right? That we could hurt the, you, right? That was the whole thing was just to exact damage. To if cause, we're going the non to, the non conspiracy theory, right? If we're right. just going with what we know, you know, um, and what we believe and what has been presented to us, because I've you know, never spoken to anybody that had any involvement with any of this stuff. I just know it was presented to me. Then the motives was was pretty pretty similar. You know, and to to quote um, you know Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight series. You know, a lot of criminals aren't complicated. You know, they either have a very basic agenda mm-hmm. or they want to watch the world burn. And that's kind of very similar to what we saw in that. So I'm thinking with the Malaysian flight. You know, it's like, what are the most logical reasons that pilots would cause something like that to happen themselves? Or, Mm -hmm. again, another act of hijacking or or terrorism and stuff like that. But again, the thing that keeps I keep coming back to is why this specific story that, you know, again, but you were saying, see, now Rick's already enlightened me. You're saying there were Americans on the flight? Well, I think there were... Uh, workers from an American company. I think the, I could be wrong, but the bulk of the 20 people, and there were employees of the Austin company, it's a semiconductor company, I believe they were Chinese. 
but I believe they were, you know, Chinese nationals. They were working here, living here, but they were going back home. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's not a strange thing. Like they're traveling. Right. They, this company has offices all over the world, so they're traveling back and forth. So it's not bizarre that this norm. many employees were from the same company were going to one place. I mean, yeah. that's not that's not what's out of whack. It's that. The thing that sticks out more is that, again, going back to like movie plot lines, is that you have 20 probably, you know, IT guys or computer engineers or electrical, mm-hmm. some sort of thing. I mean, they, they work for a semiconductor processor company or something out of Austin, which is like a little Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. So you have to assume that whatever they deal in is high end technology. So that to me, and that seems like, that's, uh, and that's what I'm talking about. Maybe me because of my geographic location. I live in Texas. We live 45 minutes from Austin. That's mm-hmm. more interesting to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Why is this not yeah. being talked about? And maybe, you know, and, and granted, there's all sorts of avenues that maybe we haven't heard or been exposed to. So maybe pe- on some fringes, people are talking about it. Yeah. But like I said, I, I, I try to, because I'm interested in the topic right now, I'm trying to read regular news sources as well as the idiots, you know, these stupid conspiracy sites. Mm-hmm. And even they don't really talk about that. They're talking about like, well, you know, it's this and this. And the big thing, even on the conspiracy site, it's hijackers. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're, they're, they hijacked the plane, landed it on some tiny island in the Indian Ocean that they built an airstrip on, you know, months ago. Or they, you know, rode in the shadow of another plane's radar signal and then diverted to a different landing site so they could kill all the people and then retrofit the 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 airplane as a weapon to be able to use in some, you know, to be determined plot. Yeah. plot. Like, to me, like, that's... And that's both sides of the of the aisle as far as yeah. extreme ways of thinking. And to me, that's overly complicated. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the yeah. 9-11 thing, it's like somebody hijacked a plane this morning and an hour later they crashed it. Right. Yes, it took years of planning probably. Yes, there was a lot of moving parts, but the end result, know, was, the end result was immediate. Like, <clears throat> to me, it doesn't make sense. You'd hijack a plane. Now, if you were going to hijack a plane and do something with it, you would do it right. right then and there. You would go, what's the nearest you know, metrop- you know, metropolitan area that I can destroy that's mm-hmm. on my agenda, whatever that is. Right. And I'm assuming there's, you know, in that geographic area, there's plenty of places you could hit, mm-hmm. you know. That would now, affect if, somebody. If, if, on the same token, if it's some organization that has a beef with, say, America, we're on the other side of the world, why would you steal a plane on the other side of the world yeah. Only to try to fly it across the world to do damage. Yeah. Like doesn't mean like terrorists aren't that stupid. The only the only stupid terrorist organization is Cobra from GI Joe that has <laughs> no foresight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because anyone that has common sense or that's even seen a freaking movie understands that like you don't make things more complicated than they need to be. Yeah. And and like I said, that's I'm not a you know an expert in these things, but that's my personal opinion as a normal person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. I mean, we're looking today at like uh, they were talking about some. There's a um, army. Uh, no, I'm sorry, a, a navy airbase. It's not actual like an air force base, but it's a, an airfield. Oh, okay. it's on this little island, uh, Diego Garcia in you know, the, Indi- the British, one of the British Isles in the Indian Ocean. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And it, all they use it for is basically like a waypoint, you know, between different locations. Planes stop there to refuel or get cargo to deliver it somewhere else. Guys on leave can use it as a as a as a station also when you're going from point A to point B. Yeah, and that's it. Well, now it's kind of popped up as like, well, you know, the military planned this. Somebody hijacked a plane. They diverted it to this 
Navy air, air base, and now it's being held there in some hangar with all the people. You're like, okay, cool, but why? Yeah. What's the point? The military has planes. You know what I mean? They don't need Because to- even if that's plausible, and I'm not saying it's not, to me, at this point, anything is plausible. If you mm-hmm. have no concrete answers other than, you know, circumstantial things or things that we may or may not know are fact, mm-hmm. anything's plausible at this point. Right. It could have been abducted by aliens. It could have got sucked into a sea vortex or hit by a methane gas cloud out of the ocean or whatever it is. Yeah. The thing is, like, again, going back to the same point is why? Why would this happen? If it's not an act of God, if it's not nature, if it's not a simple mechanical failure, which if it is, they're going to figure that out soon enough. Right. If it's something bigger than that. And that's honestly, like, is is politically incorrect if it as it is for me to say that the world isn't waiting for them to go, Oh yeah. Well the, you know, the engine caught on fire yeah, and it burned up and, you know, unfortunately everyone died and now we're going to sue Rolls Royce because they made the engines. People want to hear, Oh, it was a hijacking mm-hmm. and this happened and this, you know, and I'm they not saying we want <laughs> that tragedy, but that's what, that's what they're leading us to. Right. That's what they're talking about. And that's, you know, one of the issues, you know, you can have with the media is that they create the, you know, the mm-hmm. space for these thoughts to happen. They, they fill this shit in your head and say, oh, it might be hijacking or it might be this guy, it might be that guy. And then when you actually say it out loud and, and you start to talk about conspiracies or talk about mm-hmm. what ifs, they, oh, you can't talk about that, man. That's politically incorrect. Like, no, you broached the subject. Yeah. If all yeah. we were talking about was what kind of mechanical failures could happen. What kind of actual issues could have come up that would have caused this plane to crash? Mm-hmm. That's one thing, but we're not talking about that. That's not half the discussion isn't about that. It's right. about that was well, mentioned for like yeah. two seconds in the yeah. grand scheme. So I don't know. It, it's interesting. That, that's why it's something that it's it's been on my head the past couple of days because it, it, I think it's just interesting. Like I said, I, I'm not. I certainly wouldn't say that I have any answers. I don't know. I have speculations, but that's me. Yeah. If you had to ask me right now, without the full dossier of facts in front of me, my guess would be if it's not a simple case of some sort of mechanical failure that unfortunately led to this plane crashing mm-hmm. and lives being lost, you know, and that's the simplest explanation. That's probably it. Yeah. And if it's not, is that Occam's razor? You know, yeah. And, and if it's not, then it still ties into the same thing, which is, I think, possibly that it was shot down. It was shot down by one of the you know, military, some, any number of countries that were surrounding this area, including ours. Reason being, and not for evil's sake, like, let's just shoot down this plane and see what happens, not, you know, false flag shit. Mm-hmm. It's, say, a hijacker did get on board this plane. Mm-hmm. Say, they, you know, intercepted some sort of communique that they know this was going to happen, or they knew just enough of a lead to know it was a possibility. Yeah. Even though we know that's not the case, because we know also that, the criminal, like the the international databases, weren't searched when they, you know, went went through this manifest of all the people that were on the flight. They mm-hmm. these background checks that are kind of standard, I guess, at this point, weren't done. Yeah, that you know, we know at some point that there was people, at least two people on the plane that were using stolen passports. Yeah. So obviously something could have slipped through. Right. And I'm not speculating that those two guys were terrorists, but I'm saying is it's. It's in the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, one of these guys or two of these guys or more than one hijacked a plane. 
And at some point, whether it was the Malaysian military or the Vietnamese military or the Thai military or the U.S. military, somebody figured that out yeah. due to their intel- intelligence capabilities and said, okay, this plane's been hijacked. What do we do? Is it going to go to Australia? Is it going to go to Malaysia? Is it going to go to Singapore? Is it going to go to Beijing? We don't know. Take what, it out. At this point, knowing what we know from the past decade, mm-hmm. what's the best, most realistic, common sense option? Take them off the table. Yeah. You take that off the map. You're not going to kill 3,000 people or 10,000 people. You're going to sacrifice, unfortunately, X amount of people that were on the plane for the sake yeah. of, you know, trying to prevent something worse. Yeah. And, and they haven't said it because who's going to want to admit right, that? Because they did no that. one's going to want to say, yeah, well, we, we shot it down. Sorry. And this is our, you know, our reasoning. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like anything else. You don't. You know, you're not going to come forward with that until you have a plausible backstory. You know, and I'm yeah. not saying it's malicious or it's a conspiracy. I'm saying you want to have all your ducks in a row and say, okay, well, this is what we know. We know for a fact that it, there was a terrorist on board, that a hijacking took place, that they took control of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it was now considered an act of aggression and it was a flying weapon. So we made this choice and these are the facts and we can back it up. Yeah. Right now, they may or may not have those answers. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they would ever cop to it if if that were the case? Um, I think once, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you at some point? Now that's me. That's me giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, because we could go on a whole other tangent about like you know the TWA eight hundred thing, mm-hmm. which I haven't heard mentioned in any of the conversation about three seventy. I mean, TWA 800 in 1996, you know, when we were at the Atlanta Olympic Games, the day after we got there, that happened. We woke up, and that was on the news. That, you know, the skies over Long Island, this passenger plane exploded. Mm. And the, it was almost immediate. And that was a pre-9-11 world. And it was almost immediate where the first thing that you heard coming out of the news was it was shot down. Eyewitness reports, it was shot down. We saw... Missiles coming out of the ocean, hit this thing and blew it up. Hmm. And, you know, and there's, again, you could go on and on and on about that. There's documentaries. There's all kinds of news reports about speculation about that. But it was part of the discussion. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I just think it's interesting that now that's not something that's even come up. Right. The fact that in this day and age, that's kind of part of the protocol. If a, 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 tomorrow, a, you know, a jetliner was heading for the pentagon or the white house we know now if we didn't know yeah. before what the protocol is for that situation is you're going to try to divert it stop it and if it doesn't stop you're going to shoot it down because mm-hmm. that that's the protocol that's what makes sense yeah so mm-hmm. i don't know so before we end that segment let me ask you guys from whatever you know about this this the story or this uh event well, i'm just speculating and we're just speculating not no one's being held to the fire on this but what do you think what do you think are the possibilities or just you know you don't have to take one to your grave just you know throw something out there i would kind of go with what you said but only as far as the idea that yes it it i would say that it's most likely that they realize that okay now it's a flying weapon let's get rid of it as far as the aftermath of that I just see different governments pointing fingers at each other and nothing ever being finalized and everybody just being left with their speculations and maybe some more people getting credence for calling it a black hole. <laughs> Mike? Um, I think, you know, listening to you talk about it, you know, this detail and just 
the stuff I've read from the media online. I have yet to watch one piece of actual news live delivered on TV. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny. I realized, you know, so much of my news is completely internet-based. It's mm-hmm. for phone, internet, mm. on the smartphone. Um, I, th- I think more than likely, you know, um, something like this is probably a situation where this plane probably was not being something is definitely awry, you know, and I, not in a big conspiracy way, but like you said, either awry from a mechanical point of view or, you know, from the, the pilots, you know, having some inability to deal with, with something. I mean, you're anytime you guys are on a plane, you feel it, the turbulence. It always literally feels like one degree more severe than the last one feels like it could be a fairly Mm -hmm. serious situation you know especially on those long flights you know because i think all of us have flown on like the long 8 10 12 hour flights Mm -hmm. and every now and then you feel these gigantic (laughs) the scope of these machines in the air and it's like you feel that gigantic sometimes you think when you actually give yourself a second to think about you go it's a miracle i'm I'm sitting in a piece of metal metal flying through the air at speed right (laughs) so if it's not discovered you know, um, I, I, again, I think because we were talking about the satellites and we're giving our government a ton of credit on having all this technology. But then I'm thinking to myself, in 2001, they had 2014's technology. Yeah. 9-11 still happened. And those planes were able to fly the way they were able to fly without being in contact, without being able to verify protocols and airspace and the flight plan. And they were still able to land in the locations they landed in. There wasn't secret guns that come out of the ground like in G.I. Joe and took them down to save lives. You know, the, the towers were both still struck and the Pentagon was struck and only heroic Americans on one of the other planes took the other one down and brought yeah. it down themselves. And so I think to myself, you know, maybe some of the things our government is capable of blows our mind where, like, intellectual capabilities are concerned. Mm-hmm. But when it concerns practical application, we're actually quite behind you know maybe we're a very reactive country where right now if uh, another country wanted to send a, a warhead over would it be blown out of the sky since those apparently they're not supposed to detonate right when they're shot out that they only work on time sensitive mm. whatever which is funny you would think well why does someone design a nuclear warhead that blows up when you shoot it <laughs> you know? but but yeah. uh to counteract that you know it's like oh there's this you know universal law in the world everyone who builds nukes you know you have to build the ones that only detonate when they reach their destination <laughs> otherwise it's just a little firework in the sky yeah but you know more than likely it's i think a we're probably not going to find out the truth this is going to be another one of those things for me, I think I'm really kind of bent on seeing this as being used as a fuel of fire situation. Yeah, yeah. That's really what I see happening here because, you know, I look at, like, I'm right now we're sitting here and I'm looking at CBS's news page and it's got all this. Um, it's funny you look at the way news is presented to us now with the, like, top trending. That's the way news yeah. is presented, what, one through five? What's popular? What's, what's the hot yeah. topic? And it's yeah. like, it's got this Malaysia airline stuff and then to the right of it's like, President Obama's NCAA bracket picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, yeah. but it keeps mentioning now Obama put more Russian officials through sanctions and stuff like that. And it's like the, the timing of this kind of stuff. I don't know. It just. 
yeah. It, it doesn't look good. But if you're asking me to like legitimately say what I actually think, I, <laughs> I really don't know. I definitely think the thing is, you know, gone. You know, I don't think there's a positive end for yeah. the the people, unfortunately. And I don't mean that to be cynical. I just, you know, like you said, thoughts and prayers. And I would love for everyone to be recovered and it be, you know, a, a positive outcome. But these things, especially when it's out of our scope like this, it's going to end up, it feels, it's got the air of tragedy. And yeah. it's got the air of uncertainty as far as why. Mm-hmm. And the how is less important to me as the why. Yeah. You know, how isn't really as big of a deal. But why, I don't even know. Once they figure it out, if they even recover the plane, if whatever gets presented to us will even remotely resemble the real the real reality. Yeah. So. yeah. And it's interesting that we were talking about the black box earlier. Um, I'm a huge avid listener of the Stuff You Should Know podcast. And they had done the they had recorded this podcast weeks before and released it on March twelfth. When when did the flight come? Uh, out? March eighth, I think. Okay, so they released this How Black Boxes Work episode. And it's it's like a, I think it's like an hour long or something, and it talks about the intricacies of the mechanics that go into it, and at what point does the box break down, and all the vigorous testing that the box goes through. So, if anybody's really interested in that, I, I know it's kind of weird that I'm plugging a completely different podcast, but stuff you should know podcast. Just type into the search bar "black box" and you'll get the episode. It's something that you should check out if you're if you are curious about how that kind of aspect works. Yeah, or you can check out if black box on youtube which is a short movie we made <laughs> that has nothing to do nothing with planes, planes. <laughs> i forgot about that that was awesome <laughs> that was great for, for those that are interested it was a, a like a parody of uh, the red box and <laughs> kind of a racist kind of a thing but but uh if tongue-in-cheek tongue in, yeah very tongue-in-cheek um, but it was it was a lot of fun. Check out uh, Black Box on YouTube and uh, the racist opinions of Mario Zamorano do not necessarily reflect <laughs> the, the opinions show. of Michael and Rick, <laughs> or maybe just Michael. I don't know. <laughs> Rick was part of it. I was a party. I was a conspirator. <laughs> so like uh, so like, moving on from that because we could talk about that forever. But moving on, you know, not too far out of the realm. Uh, we were talking about kind of about conspiracies and and strange events and uh, you know looking more to even further out of the realm of the norm um it's time travel your topic i i was thinking about time travel because it's something that comes up with regularity and i'm forced to rethink about this in a in a very fun it's neat when when the movie world the film world can bring intellectual discourse on things that aren't real and yet have an educated foundation for why or why things aren't possible. So, you know, time travel does not currently exist. And I won't even go as far as to say that we know of it. It just doesn't. For all right. intents and purposes, it's not real. Because if it did, it right. would, they'd be doing something with it. Right. And, 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 right. That's the sports almanac. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Stephen Hawking's, you know, writings on it and stuff, while, while fascinating, you know, it's wonderful conjecture and theory and all based in real science, which is what makes it great. It gives it so much weight. But when we're just talking about film and the way it's presented, or TV shows, um, I think about it, and it's sort of like we were talking about there should be, is there an unspoken honor code in video games? Is there truly the ability to have a convicted opinion about you know a missing plane? Is there certain rules that go along with integrating time travel in a movie? If I was going to write a movie script, or we were going to write one together, and time travel showed up, 
I feel like that would be the thing that would occupy months and months of discussion is how do we integrate time travel properly into the script so that it cannot be torn apart by any people like us, you know, (laughs) saying, you know, y'all screwed that up. And of course, you know, the biggest thing that you, the biggest problems with time travel is the whole paradox thing and the whole Mm -hmm. infinity loop thing or J loops or whatever loop thing you want to call it. Looper. You know, it's, it's the, it's that whole thing of, you know, if I go back in time and assassinate my grandfather, then, you know, he's not able to father my mother and then I no longer exist. So how was I able to travel back in time to begin with? And so a lot of movies have displayed time travel in a real fun, comical way in a linear timeline. Back to the Future, obviously mm-hmm. the most popular. Uh, Terminator is another fun one that I like to mess with and then the one that a lot of people don't understand because it was done very intellectually and very well done is Donnie Darko which is another one that I really really love the way you know time and all three of them I love all of those films you know the way they were the way they were brought to us and then of course there's some unsung heroes that have done it pretty fascinating too like 12 Monkeys and even Van Damme's Time Cop you know you could even argue Groundhog Day Groundhog Day is a brilliant brilliant. I love that movie it's a perfect film but you can argue it's a time travel movie yeah Yeah. it is you know know, time um, loop stuck in a loop exactly so am I the only one that likes Looper oh that's a good movie too I I like Looper too it just just doesn't warrant enough discussion I I actually like the fact that he did that though that that in the movie he said I'm not going to talk to you about time because it would be a waste of it would blow your mind yeah right. like there's there's no way i can make it make sense to you i right. like the fact that they kind of sidestepped it in that kind of fun manner yeah that's that whole um hurley talking to the audience thing from the tv show lost you know hurley was sort of the us he was the <coughs> audience mm-hmm. member thrust into the show to kind of make us aware of the fact that they knew some of these things were fantastical but i like looking at terminator first that's always my favorite one to talk about with time travel which is you know uh, and Rick and I, we've talked about this for years, ridiculously, and more talk about hours spent, but <laughs> talking about the concept of, you know, there's this woman who is destined, predestined to birth a son, who's going to be the one sole savior for humanity and Terminator. And so when he is birthed, when he's birthed, <laughs> it's a funny word to say. Birth. Um, Burped. When he's, he's burnt out of when he's, her. When he's, when he's brought into the world, John John Connor uh, grows up and becomes this you know soldier of circumstance. Great who military then meets, leader. Who then, yeah, who then you know brilliant strategist, great military leader, whiny kid meets meets Hacker. Kyle Reese and says you know oh they're gonna send a Terminator back to to kill my mom. I want you to follow it and protect her so that you know she's she's safe. Mm-hmm. We presume also to make sure that nothing happens to himself. And so the first obvious question is, it's only a movie. Don't take it so seriously. You're well, right. Well, uh, that's not the point. The point is, it, you know, if that was true, we wouldn't go to the movies ever. We yeah. only yeah. watch documentaries. So we're going to yeah. get rid of that. That one doesn't, that doesn't count. So that's already out. The second thing is, if I'm Skynet, if I'm this artificial intelligence, if I was badass enough to, you know, self-actualize myself and create all this technology, because... Um, the story goes they invented time machine time travel right, right? Not, to kill him right that's why they right. Created so, because it. they were losing so instead of coming up with great military strategy to beat the humans with their superior technology they invent time travel as a better answer 
So <laughs> why wouldn't they just keep using more nukes? Yeah. There, there's, <laughs> yeah. The world is already destroyed. I mean, how many bunkers can they really escape through? But what are they eating? But <laughs> with that being said, why not send Poison multiple water. Terminators back, the multiple timelines, and why? Because there's only one Kyle. So why not send multiples back? Or let's say send the one back, but send him back in an era where Kyle has no help. Send him back to the the lineage where, you know, she's a baby, where Sarah's mm-hmm. a baby, and she's more helpless, or her grandmother. I mean, yeah. surely they had Technology, records. Yeah. Surely, you know, by the time Skynet self-actualized, they had access to the internet and downloaded all her personal file off, off who of is, ancestry.com yeah <laughs> exactly but that's so, the issue is that the internet wasn't around the internet as we know it wasn't around in 84 when the movie came out oh that's true because right. if they at least had had the foresight they could have said oh it's it's still it's cash somewhere right <laughs> so, so, so I'm trying to debunk my own questions <laughs> so that I don't drive myself nuts yeah. so now I'm going to work in Cameron's world and so now Kyle's been sent back so all of the why didn't Skynet do this they've all been answered so so far Cameron passes the test in in movie lore. But now we're talking about Kyle being sent back to protect Sarah, who in my mind, when I first saw the film, uh, well, when I first saw it in an age where I could really understand everything mm. that was happening, because I saw yeah. it really young and it was just a cool movie. But as you got older, you rewatch it, you analyze it. And the first thing that goes to my mind is, oh, so Kyle's just a friend, but Sarah's eventually going to meet John's dad. And it turns out... Spoiler alert. That, you know, <laughs> for those of you who have been living in a bunker for the last right. 20 years. If you've been hiding out, preparing for Armageddon, then you don't know what happens. But <laughs> Kyle ends up, you know, falling in love with Sarah and in their one night together, conceive John, who ends up becoming the person that sends Kyle back. So how do we answer that? How do we deal with a paradox like that? And the thing I came up with that I was telling Rick a long time ago was that eventually before that happened, before Kai was sent back, that Sarah actually did meet a guy and did conceive John, and the John that sent Kyle back is no longer the same John that exists after Kyle's back. But if that's also true, then again, how did that how did that happen to begin with? Because now we're talking about time in this linear way. And mm-hmm. so my question you're just assuming you're on the same timeline, right? Right. So right. so my question bringing all this up is is there a perfect way to display time travel in a movie without these paradox questions? Can it be done? Can somebody get it right where, you know, Marty goes back and he sees his past self, you know, and in the end of part one, right, Doc comes back and says, we got to fix your kids. Instead yeah. of just saying, hey, be better parents. Yeah. You know, he's like, we have to go to the future, which technically takes Marty and Jennifer out of 1985, which means everyone would have been looking for them. And after about a month, probably declared them dead. So mm-hmm. all that should have been in 2015 was two tombstones yeah. and no kids. <laughs> but instead, they're all there. Somehow they stayed in the past, had kids, but they also got to go to the future and find themselves. Right. Back to the Future is a more silly version of time travel. And it, yeah, interesting. I like to see like a a non-existent deleted scene where, like, you know, at the end when he does come back and he goes, "We gotta, you know, we gotta go back," you know, and 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 Marty goes, "Why are they assholes? <laughs> like, why doesn't he go? Yeah, like, because they are. They're yeah. little jerks, you know. Like, oh, I always thought that was like, he's like, that's a great question. Like, that's the first thing that would come to mind. It's like, oh, my kid a dick. Is that the problem? <laughs> there was a uh, there was a, another podcast. I I want to say it was the Nerdist that they kind of talked about uh, the fact that at the end of 
at the end of the first one where Biff is the one that's cleaning the, the vehicles. So mm-hmm. the dad hired the guy that almost raped his wife when they were to school together. Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> what was that for? Oh, well, you almost raped my wife, but I'm better than that. So yeah. you wash my cars. I'll give you. You get your damn hands off her, but you can get your hands all over my BMW. <laughs> yeah. With soap and wax. Now that's two coats of Biff. Two coats of wax, Biff. Not oh, one. Yeah, yeah, ma'am, Mr. McFly. Yeah, because, like, you know, George McFly was kind of a dick in his in his own little retcon. Like, you he know, was he, either going to be a loser or an arrogant asshole yeah. because he's like, look at my book, son. Look at my Because he tells hair. him, he's like, what do I always tell you? You put your mind to something. It's like, shut up. Right. You got his... <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> he got lucky. He really He got did. lucky that he went, someone back in time and fixed his and life. And the only reason that he had an amazing book was because Marty exposed him to Darth Vader and Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Now, I, I will say that, like, uh, taking it away from film more so, I really enjoy the way that, despite the way Lost ended, I liked the idea that they brought up when they were dealing with time travel about how it wasn't linear. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who, who brought it up, um, just because my memory is just not that good. Daniel Faraday. That's probably, right. Probably Thank Faraday, you. Probably Faraday, yeah. So that, that was actually a different timeline it spawned a whole different kind of future and that when he talks about um we're living our current so even though we've jumped time it doesn't affect us because we're in our own current timeline that's separate from the timeline that we affected but but didn't lost also posit that time travel never really occurs everything that happened already happened so the whole true and that drove me nuts the whole yeah the whole big thing and lost for the first two seasons of this hatch right this hatch that exists mm-hmm. and desmond's down there in the hatch the entire time and why was the hatch even created because they needed to build a station where they could you know push a button that would send an electrical charge to keep the electromagnetism surge at, going that day but the whole reason that that thing got drilled into was because they dropped a bomb down there and right. caused that that <laughs> incident to happen yeah. they caused it by being back there in that timeline and caused that incident, which forced the doctor and all the people as part of the initiative to create that station, right? So yeah. they already did it. They just hadn't right. gotten that Unless to that they're yet. just, they created another scenario mm-hmm. where that happened, where exactly. in a, in a different, still been something in different. the original timeline, something else created that. Right. right. You know, because, I mean, the military was already there, right? right? The military was there. They had Jughead. There was all that stuff mm-hmm. going on anyways. So... Yeah, like I said, I like the way that they explained it. Not necessarily that that's how they decided to go about the entire thing. Yeah. But I like the idea of multiple timelines. I like the idea of, well, you can do all the time traveling you want, but if you go back and kill Hitler in your past, well, you are still in your present when you go back. So Hitler happened for you. It may not have happened for everybody else. But guess what? Hitler still happened in 53,000 different timelines and multiverses everywhere else. Yeah. See, and, and that's your question. Then that's the thing is like, you have, I think, when doing a, a time travel movie or story or whatever, is that you have to commit to one of those two things. Mm-hmm. Either you have to commit to a linear time loop where no matter what, you're only traveling back and forth on the same line, mm-hmm. or you have to commit to the alternate. Timeline, tangent yeah, tangent now. universes and the branching universes, and and that's the thing I think a lot of times mm-hmm. you have trouble with, and we've talked about that. You know, I I I love time travel movies. I, I don't mind. I don't mind even dissecting them and, and having issue with them. The thing that f- that 
ends up happening though specifically with the branch timelines is like i get stuck in with is that you have to assume and usually you know because movies are two hours long or an hour and a half long yeah. is that usually you don't usually see more than one or two extra branches to the timeline so it creates an issue in a movie or a story because you have the main timeline and then you have a branch timeline they create and usually they're trying to rectify some scenario mm. and fix it so that everything goes back to normal or so everything's the better version of right. the bad situation. But my problem with branch timelines is that by accepting that you can have one branch timeline, like you said, now mm-hmm. that means there might be a million branch timelines. Exactly. And my problem with that that's never properly addressed when they do bring that up <laughs> is you get stuck into scenarios where you're talking about the soul. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're to believe that every human has a unique individual soul, what does that mean if there are multiple timelines, multiple timelines and multiple universes? Yeah. Does that mean that maybe that soul's getting diluted? Because by its own definition, it's no longer unique. Even if it's unique to that particular universe, if you're talking about the infinite. Mm-hmm. Then, you know what I mean. It, it just—that's it, where the argument would come in that a soul is a human construct, and that we want to feel that we are individuals, and so we created that mm-hmm. to comfort us and to make us happy at night. Yeah. When all we really are is energy, and that when the Big Bang happened, the release of energy that occurred would be like, like let's say, and we'll put it on a microscopic level. Let's say a thousand units of of energy were created mm-hmm. and that's all that that universe will hold and you and all energy does is transfer it doesn't go away it doesn't, right, it doesn't die out it just changes from one thing to the next in that regard then if energy works that way then you've got that that exact amount of energy in every multiverse so if we were to try to reference it as a soul then we could say that that energy that existed in this body that you call you is different from the energy that exists in another body that you call you in a different universe. Right. So that would get rid of the idea of dilution. All right. But the, the issue with that... But it that, would disconnect us. Right, exactly. The but issue soul, with that... Well, and soul automatically means God. You know, when you say soul, you're saying God, right? Because well, yeah, you're, you're adhering it to some principle of the afterlife or the principle of life after whatever it is you're currently living because it's something that's beyond that it's immortal or infinite or whatever so Mm -hmm. yeah but for the sake of this conversation like it doesn't work in a narrative because and you you even when people try to do that in in a story or film is it doesn't work because you have to place value on a Mm -hmm. life you have to place value on us on the narrative otherwise it nullifies the reason for it so in other words, that's why you have so many movies that center on the one, mm-hmm. whether it's the martyr or the hero or the messiah or the savior yeah. or the person that just, you know, makes a proactive choice and changes their life. That's why that's important because we're, you know, and that's the way we're built. It's self-preservation. We, we want to believe that, every, that our choices matter. Mm-hmm. And that's why spirituality or not, the idea of the soul comes up because Every choice you make matters. Mm-hmm. Every whether it's a good or a bad choice, and there's a there's a a finite timeline for your life. What you do with it in between is 
is the meat of who you are. It's your identity, it's your legacy, all of that. Yeah. So that's what you know, that that's what keeps coming back to me when we're talking about time travel movies is that the more you dilute that, the more you complicate that, the more people lose interest. Mm. And and the actual like literal you know, uh, personification is that is when you lose interest in a movie because it goes too many places at once. Yeah. And at some point you go, either you buy into it and you say, yeah, I believe in this movie's, you know, narrative. Yeah. Or you say, I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm opting out. And a lot of time that that's what happens is that when you go, you know, it's like when you have a movie with too many characters. Mm, yeah. And then people lose track. They don't care. You know, it very, very rarely do ensemble movies, you know, like a movie like Traffic, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, a movie like Traffic works, in my opinion, because even though you're telling a story of, you know, 10, 15 people, they're, they're very all... well drawn characters. They're oh. all people that have flaws and people that have, you know, good sides and, you know, they feel real. Mm-hmm. Or, as in the same token, you have a movie like Syriana, which is a movie I really like written by the same guy, Stephen Gagan, and it doesn't quite succeed in mm-hmm. that. It's it's telling a story where there's like 50 characters, but the problem is a lot of them are bad, shitty people that don't have that same duality, mm-hmm. so you lose there's interest. You don't to. care. Like I don't care if this person dies or doesn't die or what their interests are, their motivations, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, it's not an outright criticism of that. It just goes to show how delicate that is when you're dealing with, you know, those types of issues and obviously time travel movies you know kind of exacerbate that because you have you're faced with those questions you have to either you know in a joking way cast them off you know or you have to hit them head on Mm -hmm. um or you can go the way that jet lee's the one went where you have to kill the (laughs) alternate use and all the alternate (laughs) multiverses so that you become all powerful there you go like like, highlander or something yeah (laughs) So, did, did either of you ever see uh, Primer? Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw Primer. So, Primer, uh, Shane Carruth, the guy that's from Texas, from Dallas, a filmmaker, made Primer. And it's we would spend 12 hours trying to figure it out. Like, I really literally had to go on and find, uh, like, an actual diagram online to figure it out. Because I'm not smart enough to get the science of it. But it's, it is, it's probably my favorite time travel movie. If you're talking strictly... On a science fiction time travel level, yeah, because it doesn't shy away from the the subject of the implications. I should say implications of time travel, what it means. Okay. It faces that absolutely head on because it's not um, its story doesn't take place in the world of you know this guy's the hero and he's trying to save the girl or save the world. It's it's a lot more realistic than that it's these two guys they're engineers and in their spare time they're working on a machine and they're not trying to create a time machine they're Mm -hmm. trying to create a a machine that can change the mass of um, an object to be able to transport it and that's all they're trying to do they're basically trying to create a product like something say if we have Almost like a, like a teleporter, or like timelines faxing a per, faxing something from one location to the next. Something like that, but but it's not even on that far a scope. They're basically saying, is there a way that you could change the mass of something long enough that you could easily move it from place to place and then return it to its original mass? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm probably not explaining it right, but that's basically it. Right. And they accidentally create a time machine. Hmm. And the whole movie, if I'm not, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, is mm-hmm. about them having to have that question of what do you do with this? Yeah. And they even say, they say, dude, we can make so much money. And the guy goes, yeah, before you decide 
to sell it, you have to decide what can people use it for. Mm-hmm. And that's what the whole movie's about. It, just the it, it implications deals with of just it. the implications and the consequences of of time travel and what it can mean. And it's fucking brilliant because of it. And it's it's terrifying. Yeah. Because it, it's a sim it's again, it's not saving the world, it's not saving the girl. It's all about you facing you and the choices that you make, you know, when you're faced mm-hmm. with you know, those yeah, type yeah. of scenarios, you know, life changing scenarios. You know, I'll have to check that out. That sounds That's great. And another one, if you've never, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, the original one. Yeah. That is actually mm, the very time first time travel movie I ever saw, ever. And the thing I love about it is it's not a time travel movie. The whole concept of that film is that the military, the Navy, is trying to build Cloak, stealth right? technology. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. just trying to be able to hide a ship from enemy radar. That's it. And they have these giant generators, and it's fascinating technology because to me it still holds the test of time that you would need to spin this gigantic cylinder to create enough you know energy Energy. to light these giant bulbs in the in the energy room and you've got these two random sailors who are assigned to just turn the switch on their their (laughs) job is just turn it on and make sure everything works and literally they turn it on and instantly you know of course they're just doing color contrast with with the negative of the film to get the effect going and it's amazing but the the most amazing thing about it is how weird it takes the turn when when the ship actually disappears, it, it literally is vanished, but the people in the present don't know that it's vanished out of time. Mm. And what's neat is how the two the two main characters, well, Nancy Allen is the, the love interest, but I consider the two guys, the two friends, to be the main characters, you know, and you have the, the sailor who everything is happening to him, and then there's the one who was left behind. Mm-hmm. And the most terrifying part of that whole film is when the ship is recovered in its original timeline. How even though all oh, the other yeah. sa- all the other sailors were still on the ship because it moved from one place to another. Being part of the bulkhead. Yeah, stuff part of their bodies head. were fused into the ship or whatever because of the the, the movement the in space time. Yeah, the the movement in space time, and that they didn't end up in the exact same spot where they first left. And I mean, that that yeah. blew my mind because I'm like, yeah. well, the first time I saw it, I couldn't understand why that happened to them. Like you see, like a guy's face is it's on the terrifying. On the I remember as a kid, and, being, I mean, haunted yeah, I by that, that image it, of that it, shit. It's haunting, you know, and but so fascinating because they they didn't even have that much science, and exactly the same thing you're talking about with Primer. They weren't trying to build a time machine, yeah. but they figured out in the future what ended up happening, that they created a wormhole because they were moving so much energy at one time that they basically ripped through time's fabric and created this, this situation with their cloak technology. Cloak technology. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's just so amazing. And I think probably my favorite movie that has really done time travel before, besides that one in modern um, is probably Johnny Darko only because it also hits an emotional level oh, yeah, as definitely. well as being that see Philadelphia experiment says we are a movie about, you know, this, uh, clandestine government project. Donnie Darko says we're a movie about time travel. We even have this sub character who wrote a book on time travel and here's the book. And to this day, I think Donnie Darko had the best website to accompany its movie that I ever saw in my life where, you know, it finally, I think uh, it finally came down. Richard Kelly, I actually sent him a Twitter once and go, hey, what happened to the site? Because it was up for 10 years at least, you know, yeah. where you go to DonnieDarko.com and there were these different levels of stuff uh, where you could enter information and access more in-depth <laughs> stuff. And it actually had like obituaries of characters that don't die in the movie, but it shows what ended up happening to them oh, wow. that keeps the story going. And uh, I think the neatest part about that whole film was how <clears throat> they put the 
they put the book, which isn't, it's not really a book, but the book was online. You could get the different pages of all the explanations of how time travel was possible in that, in the Donnie Darko universe. Hmm. And it's just really fascinating because basically Richard Kelly created a world where it's actually a closed loop. You yeah. don't actually, if you understand what happened, if you watch it and you understand exactly what happened, it doesn't really have any questions. It, it closed yeah. its, the loop closes itself and it's actually perfectly done as far as I can see. Yeah. Um, you know, all the, the story answers itself and, you know, um, everything that was supposed to happen did. And, um, I don't know. I think, um, what's your, do you have a, do you have a favorite Mario as far um, as, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier the whole Hitler thing, which I believe derives from uh, an old black and white episode of Twilight Zone, where mm. a woman is sent back in time to kill Hitler, and he's a baby, so she's got to take him out when he's a baby. And if memory serves me, which it might not, so if, if I'm wrong, somebody will let me know, where she does kill the Hitler baby, only to have the person that was nursing, that was like his nursemaid, replace him with another baby which actually that baby becomes hitler anyway mm -hmm. so then that's battling with the idea of well is it nature or nurture that developed hitler and would it have mattered like if you were to be able to go back in the past would that be what you would do go back and kill hitler and <laughs> what would that result in i mean based on that universe yeah i mean i, I get it that possibility of well it doesn't the baby didn't matter it was yeah, the family yeah. that rose that raised the baby that mattered, or the other aspect of looking at it of, well, the baby that you killed wasn't going to be Hitler anyway because you killed that baby. Right. Yeah. So you created you the created. scenario for him to exist. Exactly. Yeah, that's always fascinating. The whole like, you know, you if you tried to go back in time and kill your grandfather, something would just stop it. Like the gun wouldn't click, or something wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, just you would always be stopped because the universe won't let it happen yeah it just it's impossible yeah. you know like you could go back in time and see things and be a part of it but but marty will never screw his mom right well why <laughs> why would you be able to not kill your grandfather but you could you know do the whole butterfly effect thing you know where it's like well mm -hmm. i can't make that change but i can stop a car from hitting me by breaking in the road because i'm crossing the road and now that car is going to go on a different path or arrive at its destination later and everything's mm -hmm. changed you know so that's why I love Donnie Darko so much and, and Philadelphia Experiment because both of them, you know, show time existing in this non-linear way. Because I think the mm -hmm. linear one just has too many holes. It just, you know, now they're rebooting yeah. Star Trek with a new timeline and they're rebooting Terminator again and they're going to, you know, try mm -hmm. to interject all this film footage. And really, I think what I'm learning about it is time travel in movies is not meant for intellectualism. It's meant for entertainment. Entertainment for like ninety percent of the people that don't think about it beyond what they're seeing, you know. Like, but it gives people this false sense of belief that, like, oh, if Marty could go back in time and he could just start disappearing on stage because his mom and dad are starting drifting to not, apart. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> not falling for each other after all. So he's going to slowly start to disintegrate. Which technically, they either got together or they didn't. Right. It shouldn't be a gradual process. But <laughs> right. Dramatically, it's beautiful, right? Yeah. I mean, the suspense oh, yeah. is amazing. Like, oh, look at his hand go. He's disappearing. So, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think one of the things, and you, you mentioned it earlier, is that, you know, uh, the only thing I remember from science class is, you know, the, the law of conservation of mass is mm -hmm. that you can't destroy matter. Like, it has right. to go somewhere. It changes form. And I think that's, 
for me how I, I can justify you know even plot holes in, in time travel movies because you look at it and you go no matter what regardless of a b c d either way things fall back into place because right. they have to because you have you know and, and that's something that donnie darko and philadelphia experiment share is is that same concept which is things have to be set right return yeah. to their place it may be slightly different but it has to that matter has to return back to where it belongs mm-hmm. in order for the thing for the world to keep turning right right yeah. and that's the thing i mean again spoiler alert you know donnie darko dies at the end right, right? because he's supposed to die mm-hmm. and once and that's that that's you know i love that movie too and that's that's yeah. one of the beauties of that moment is you know when he does get back into the bed and he smiles because he knows what's going to happen right and part of that is because he's no he is saving the world he's he's yeah. doing what he was supposed to do and he accepts it. He accepts that fate, you know. And I mean? that and that phrase "save the world" is such a grand term, but really, every single one of us has a world. You know, right. if you if yeah. you're mm-hmm. a, if you're a parent, your child is your whole world. Saving the world could just mean saving your child's life. You know, oh, yeah. or, you know, your whole world is your family and your friends, and just that small little branch of people in your little circle, to you, that's the world, and that's enough. Yeah. You know, and I think that's you know, one of those things where. That, that phrase is used in, in Darko and other movies too. It's like, well, we have to save the world, but you're gonna, he's going to, John Connor's going to be the one that saves the world, you know? In his case, it really means the whole planet. Yeah. In Darko's case, it's literally, you know, the Jenna Malone character and yeah. a couple of other people, you know, who are caught in the crossfire of all these tragic events. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, it's it's beautiful. It's one of those films you can watch over and over again. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Again, I think we could keep talking about time travel <laughs> endlessly. But my question is, could I or we even just write a scene, just a, a draft scene where we have our own time travel scenario and write it without copying someone else's thing and Design. have it done properly? I think that'd be a a fun challenge, you know, just because mm. it's one of my favorite genres. Yeah. You know, mixing sci-fi and time travel together... Yeah. Or mixing drama and time travel together. I mean, it's it's endless fun. And then there's other little things that have touched on it. Like I long time ago, I read the Lovely Bones book, mm. which mm-hmm. you know used time travel as a, a different mechanism. I never saw the film. I heard it was not not great. But um, yeah. you know, there's there's so many. You can of course you could Google you know any top ten or top hundred list of time, time travel, travel movies, movies. And, and pick them and just dive in. But I don't know. It's it's amazing. It, it always seems to be one of those topics that first you have to like get everyone on the same plane explaining <laughs> how it works. Yeah. You know, this is one of those conversations I don't think I could really have with my mom. You know, where, <laughs> you know, first mom, we're gonna do a five month course on yeah. time travel, which doesn't exist. But I'm gonna right. show you how it works. Right, and and, <laughs> and this part of it is gonna be the linear. Right. Next five months will be the the nonlinear. <laughs> you should see primer. Yeah, I gotta yeah, check it's on that Netflix. Out. So, if any of you have any uh, favorite time travel movies, let us know. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and on our website. It's all It's a Guy Thing podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Take care. You can visit us on our home on the web at www.itsaguythingpodcast.com, on Instagram, and Facebook at It's a Guy Thing Podcast, and Twitter, It's a Guy Thing Pod. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we'll be coming soon to many other podcatchers. Thanks for listening.
We don't have any affiliate links or any sort of advertising set up for the It's a Guy Thing podcast just yet. However, as members of the 210 Podcast Network, we'll just play their advertisements. This podcast episode is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day trial at www.210localmusic.com slash audible. We get a nice little bonus if you do, and you can cancel at any time. There are over 150,000 titles for you to choose from for your iPad, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. 